to you this morning. It's so great to be here with you this morning as we kind of bring to a conclusion this series of messages that we have been doing on our purpose statement and helping us understand, especially at this time during the year, that love came down. And so we just want to talk through that again finally this morning and, um, and talk about what it is and what it means for us to connect with one another. We've talked about these three elements of extending God's kingdom, loving God continually, and connecting with one another. And I want to put an image in your mind today, if, if I could. I love, uh, I love movies for, for one thing, but I love especially my favorite movie. And my particular favorite movie is a favorite movie of many, many people in our nation, but it happens uh, to always only be played seemingly around Christmas because it kind of has a Christmas theme, but it's called It's a Wonderful Life. Do you guys like that movie? How many of you have already watched that movie? Uh, ready? Okay, not too many of you, so that is very sad. I feel almost as sad for those of you who have not seen it yet as I do for Luke and Trinity Howell, because Bart told me this morning that Luke and Trinity, he doesn't believe it, they have ever seen It's a Wonderful Life. And that, my friend, is a tragedy, okay? That is a tragedy, and you need to correct that this very day. But I want, I want to encourage you to watch this movie. I love this movie because it talks about this character, George Bailey. Now, I can take you to so many different scenes within this movie, and because it's such a a popular movie. Um, you, you remember the scene where, where George is talking to the, the leadership of the building and loan. And he talks about his father and how his father actually put this building and loan in place so that people could actually own a home rather than being in rental homes and not having a home of their own, but they could experience owning a home themselves. And you know, that's really what love came down is really all about. How Jesus Christ came that we might have a home. And I want you to watch that movie. If you haven't seen it this year, number one, I want you to picture me in the most comfortable clothes that I could possibly put on and laying in my bed watching that movie because that is what I'm doing this afternoon. I don't know what you're doing, but that's what I'm going to do. It's been a very, very long week, and I am crashing this afternoon, and I'm watching It's a Wonderful Life. But when you watch it, I want you to think of it in a little bit different terms. I want you to imagine the character of George Bailey who doesn't really believe in himself. And he doesn't really know who he is and what he's going to become. And he thinks the world would be better without him. And then he gets this final phrase written in an, in an inscription from the angel Clarence. Okay, I don't want to totally destroy the movie for you if you've never seen it. But the angel Clarence who is his guardian angel, writes this in a, a, a copy of Tom Sawyer that he gives to George. And he says, No man is a failure who has friends. And I want you to imagine, if you would, instead of George Bailey being George Bailey, what if George Bailey were a picture of the church? That so often we don't see ourselves for who we really are and what we can really mean in people's lives. But then we come to the realization of who we are and we see ourselves as God sees us, as He literally wants to indwell us and allow us to be the church, the body of Christ. 
And you watch that with that in mind, that really George is like the church, and he comes to this realization. Do you realize that you and I are the church? We are Jesus Christ's body, still here on this earth, to be the living representative of our Savior and Lord. And we're going to talk about that this morning. But as we've been talking about that, we've talked about this E, B, and C as the purpose of our church. And I want us to just walk back through that. And I want to take you through this very last calendar week, the last seven days. And you may not have been a part of all of these, but I want to just walk you through some of these. Because I have been so proud of our church this past week. A week ago, we announced the fact that we had signed the, the papers for the property. And that's a picture of it up there, those, those 12, 12, little over 12 acres that God has given us. And as we move forward, and we celebrated that just a week ago today, and we celebrated that. And then last Sunday night, we got together and we connected as the body of Christ and we came together and transformed this worship area into a banquet table. And we had an, what, the old, or what the New Testament used to call an agape love feast. Okay, Agape, we call it sloppy agape. Okay? And agape is God's kind of love. And as we celebrated a holiday meal that we brought together. And that's kind of a great picture of the church. We all bring stuff. And we all bring it in and we allow that to fill up our hearts, fill up our bodies of who we are. That's what the church is supposed to be. And that was just a week ago, this Sunday night. Then on Tuesday, on Tuesday, this place was filled and packed. People standing along the sides and in the center aisle. As we celebrated the life of two-year-old, almost two-year-old, Caitlin Doss. And we saw this church... As Kaylin went home to be with the Lord, and we can't explain that, we don't understand that, but this church gathered together around that family. And I was so proud to be a member of this fellowship, to watch us love on that family, to watch their life group, their circle of friends who were connected with them, and to know that for Jared and Jessica Doss, that none of us can understand how to live our lives and go forward after the, the death of our two-year-old. Yet that life group is going to be walking with Jared and Jessica. They're going to be there for them today, tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now. And it brought to my mind this idea. What if that were you? Would you be connected? Would you have a place of people connected with you, that they were there in your grief, in your great times of joy, but in your times of grief as well, to gather around you. And I saw that, and I was so proud. I'm so proud of the message that Bart gave, a message of hope that we don't have all the answers and we don't, but that God loves us even in our deepest moments of grief. I needed to hear that. So proud of us. And then yesterday, Extending God's kingdom through Fiesta de Navidad as we ministered with our third service, our bilingual service to extend to the Hispanic community and to the community right around our church to extend God's love and extend His kingdom. 
We were the church, the living body of Christ. And that is just within the last week that all those things have happened. I'm so proud to be a part of this place. As we talked about, as Bart shared last week, we talked about extending God's kingdom. That's the E. The V is loving God continually, living this out by being in His Word and understanding how we can be connected to God in loving Him and giving back to Him and giving and giving of of sacrificially of, of the money and things that God has given us, the time that we have. And then today, as we close this message, as we close this series, as we want to talk about connecting with one another. No better example, I think, could be seen, as we saw this morning, accepting new members into our body, as we saw this week with the Dosses, as we gathered around them and gave them our love and helped them to know that we would be there and we would walk with them. It is so important for us to understand this idea of connecting with one another. But I want to take a little bit of a different take on this, especially during this season as we talk about how love came down. And I want us to walk through this and understand what it means for us to be connected. You know, our world thinks that we, they know a lot about being connected. There's this little thing called Facebook. It has 500 million users. Now, if you're my father-in-law, he gets a little bit uh, confused as to whether it's Facebook or MySpace. So he just put them together and calls it Spacebook, okay? So you may be a member of Facebook or Spacebook or some of those things, but our world thinks they know a lot about connecting, connecting with one another. Some of you just use Facebook to stalk other people. I know you. You're out there, okay? But Facebook is connecting people. But is that real connection? Is that the connection that God has in store for us as the body of Christ? Mark Zuckerberg, who's the starter and founder of Facebook, um, is going to be Time's Man of the Year this year. So Facebook is this phenomenon that talks about connecting. But you see, connecting doesn't begin or end with Facebook. What I want us to understand today is this first point. It's in your notes if you want to take those out and look at those and be in your Bibles this morning. But it is this. Connection begins with God. Connection begins with God. I want us to go to the passage of Matthew one twenty-three. We actually sang about this this morning. But go to Matthew 1, verse 23. And it says this. It says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name, what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, connection begins with God. What God wants us to know this morning is that connection doesn't begin with Facebook. Connection begins with Him. His desire for us as we understand how love came down is that we see that God wanted to begin connection with us. More than any other world religion that is out there today, there is not another religion that expresses the fact that God wants to have a personal relationship with you and I. God desires to connect with us. And He showed us that most brilliantly, most succinctly in the presence of Jesus Christ coming on earth. That He would literally be God incarnate. And what that means is God with flesh. God with us. God loved us so much that He sent His only Son to be present with us. What does that mean? 
Why did God send Jesus? God sent Jesus so that you and I would know how to live this life out today as believers. The reason that you need to be consistently in the Gospels is the Gospels are God's account and story to us of how Jesus most vividly lived his life out. How his presence with his disciples, how he would be in situations with people, how he would love people and care for people and minister to them. The Bible gives us that in these four Gospels, how God desires to be with us. I want to give you a little picture of this in how God does this and how you can understand the Trinity. If you go all the way back to Genesis, I want to show you how the Trinity is present and how this works, how this, this unbelievable concept that we have of the Trinity, this is not polytheism that there's three gods, but it's three gods who are yet one in total community. And you know what the word, what the word community means is that we are, have a common Unity. That's the reason that this word community is there. It is a common unity. And here's how this works. In creation, if you go back to creation, what you see is God the Father in the forefront and Jesus and the Holy Spirit playing supporting roles. That they have given their glory all to the Father, the Creator. In redemption or salvation you see that Jesus is in the forefront. And God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are functioning in supporting roles. But Jesus is the forefront of salvation. When we come to this process of sanctification, now what is sanctification? Long biblical word that simply means how we live this life out presently in human form for us. How we live our salvation on a daily basis. In sanctification, you see the Holy Spirit at the forefront and God the Father and God the Son in supporting roles. So what you see in this process is how God lives his life in us and how he desires to be a common unity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Let me show you how this kind of works out in our home. In our home... Jennifer is at the forefront in working with our finances, okay? Rather than balancing the checkbook, I would rather change banks, okay? That's just me. That's how I would like to live this out, rather than doing that. So really, Jennifer is at the forefront of really taking care of finances and stuff, and I play a supporting role. In, in kind of picking up the house and making sure that, that, uh, that our house is picked up most of the time, Jennifer's kind of, she's in the forefront, and I, and I play a, a supporting, supporting role. You know, in buying Christmas gifts, Jennifer's at the forefront, and I, you know, come to think of it, I don't think I'm really at a forefront role in anything that we do at our house. And that's the reason I'm a pastor here at EBC. I get to, to play more of an upfront role with you guys, and she does all the supporting roles there. But, see, we, we live this out. In our marriages, if marriage was just a you give 50% and I give 50%, somehow what that tends to equal is like 15%. But marriage is each of us giving 100%. And when we're in the body of Christ, what this means is that we live this out together and we are part of this and we are partners with God. Connection begins with God. And what we see in the Trinity is a great explanation of how we live this out as the body of Christ. 
that we must die to ourselves and give our glory over to others and allow them to be at the forefront. For us at EVC, you know what that means? It means that sometimes those of us who seem to be doing everything, we stop doing everything and allow other people to come along and use their gifts and abilities. You see, connection begins with God. I want to do something that I did in the first service, so Karen, don't kill me on this. But I want us to go back to that third or maybe in the last verse of Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I want you to pick up the incredible theology that's in this hymn. And we sometimes, a lot of times, if you grew up in a Baptist church, I'd hate to be the third verse of any hymn, okay? The third verse is never sung, okay? It was written, but nobody knows why we don't sing it, but we never sing the third verse of any hymn. We sing the first, second, and last verse. I don't know why, but I don't know if this is the third verse or the last, but I want you to see the incredible theology. I noticed I could kind of hear the mumbling in the back, and nobody, nobody seemed to know this particular verse, But this is a beautiful picture of what we're talking about in connecting. The connection really begins with God. What it says is, come desire, or come, desire of nations, come. You see, one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, and one day Jesus will be preeminent upon every nation that exists. Our whole role as the body of Christ is to see other nations come to know Christ Come, desire of nations, come. Okay, go to the next part. Fix in us thy humble home. You see, what God does in us as we extend God's kingdom to others, as we love God continually, as we connect with one another, what we see is that Jesus is fixing in us his humble home. Jesus still is alive. Do you understand that? Jesus didn't die and is still dead. Jesus is alive. He's alive in you. If we move to this new spot and property, this is not the church. This is not the church. You and I are the church. We are the body of Christ. Fix in us thy humble home. Go to the next slide. Rise the woman's conquering seed. You know who that is? Jesus. Jesus is the woman's conquering seed. The next one. Bruise in us the serpent's head. Here's the deal. When Jesus was born, why do you remember that Herod attempted to kill all the children under four years of age? The reason that under two years of age, the reason that Herod did that, I believe, was Satan himself. Satan sought to end the incarnation of Christ shortly after it began so it would not come to the fulfillment, so that Jesus would not place his presence in eventually us, the church. Satan wanted to win the battle at the very beginning, but it, he was, his head was bruised, which means this. He was mortally wounded. The battle was over when Christ was born because the end had begun and Satan knew he was defeated. The next slide. Adam's likeness now a face. We are Adam's likeness. But Jesus was in Adam's likeness. He was humanity. He was fully God and fully man. The next slide. Stamp thine image in its place. You and I are made in the image of God. And let me put this in really practical terms for you. On these last five shopping days, when that person cuts in front of you in the fast line, they are made in the image of God. 
when people make decisions and you don't like the decision and you struggle with it and you don't like what happens and how it affects you, we have to remember they are made in the image of God. Let me put it really clear. When they cut you off in your car and you want to create sign language, okay, does everybody know what I'm talking about? That person is made in the image of God. So we celebrate that by coming together and connecting. We'll finish this out. Go to the next one. Second Adam from above. That is Jesus Christ. He is fully God, fully man. And then we finish it with reinstate us in thy love. You see what God's whole vision was and is for us today is that we be reinstated into Christ. We were born in Him, but if you don't have a relationship with Him today, God wants to be connected with you. Connection begins with God. Let's go to the second point of this message today, and it is this, is that connection displays the continuing presence of Christ. Turn in your Bible to John chapter 17, and as you look at this, I want to explain what this is. I call this the Lord's Prayer. Now, many people call the Lord's Prayer the prayer in Matthew where it is actually the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, teach us to pray. It's, that's what many theologians call the model prayer. In other words, Jesus is teaching us different elements of how we can pray on a continual daily basis. We call it the doxology, but... but but it is the opportunity for us to know how to pray. But John 17 is Jesus' prayer for you and I. This is such a rich thing. I'd encourage you to go home and go through it slowly. Because here's the thing. Jesus had your face on his heart as he prayed this prayer. And you can put your name, write your name in it. And it is very personal. You can place your name in this prayer as you read it. And in John 17, starting with verse 17, I want us to read and look at this. It says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. You see, this book, this book is truth. And the reason we need to love God continually, the reason we need to be on His word on a constant basis, is this is God's roadmap to us of how we are to live our lives. God's continuing presence goes on today, and that's what this passage talks about. We are to be in the truth. God's Word is truth. Verse 18, As you sent me into the world, Jesus is speaking to the Father, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent who? You, the church, the body of Christ. I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate, or I make holy myself, that they also may be sanctified. That's that process of the Holy Spirit living His life out in us where the Holy Spirit is in the foreground. We are sanctified in this truth. Now, verse 20. I do not ask for these only. Now, who are the these He's talking to? Jesus is talking about His disciples. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane before He goes to the cross. Peter, James, and John are praying over next to Him. Remember, He keeps having to go back and wake those dudes up because they keep falling asleep. And Jesus is saying, for these guys, these disciples, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in Me through their Word. Do you know who that is? That's us. 
You see, from the beginning of the disciples, Jesus passed this baton off to them. And you have this baton race where it's passed from one generation to the next, from one generation to the next, passing that baton to us till it comes all the way down to you and I, to whomever it was that spoke into your heart and life, and you accepted Christ. That baton has been passed. Jesus was praying for you. But then the important why comes into play. That they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. What this passage says is that the continuing presence of Christ continues as you and I live this out in unity with one another. We are the body, literally the body of Christ. This is a definite theological statement when we understand that Jesus still lives today. Do you know where he lives? He lives in you and in me. And when we are unified, when we come together in unity, when we sell out to our own desires and come and be unified as the body of Christ, only God can make that happen. Think of how hard it is to do that in a marriage. Think of how hard that is to do in a family. When God can do that in a church, when we can come together and be unified to extend our love to a community, when we can buy property together, when we can come together and fellowship with one another, when we do that, we are creating the presence of Christ here on earth. i got to tell you sometimes, I question, God, are you sure you want to do it this way? Are you sure that you want your presence to be best represented here on earth in us? We seem so weak. I am so weak. I still... I struggle with sin on a daily basis. I struggle with the decisions I make that hurt other people. I struggle with, with, as a pastor, even being able to love people the way that they need to be loved. I struggle. say, God, is this really the way that you want to do this? Jesus is wiser than me. And Jesus placed himself in us. So that it's like this. Now we are in the image of God. Christ in us. So now we go into other cultures. The brilliance of this concept is this. Now Jesus is in us. And whether we're Chinese, whether we're American, whether we're Mexican, whether we're Indonesian, now the church is literally alive and vibrant. It's not one person in the Middle Eastern area of Palestine, it is now literally millions and millions of people who all have the presence of Christ. And when we are brought together and unified, we are literally the presence of God here on this earth. The question for us is, how are we connecting to one another? When we think about our life groups, we think about our groups' opportunities to come together and be in Bible study together with one another. Sometimes those groups seem to be like social clubs. and they're, they're, Are they really the living, vibrant body of Christ? Yes. 
Because Matthew says it very clearly. Where two or three are gathered in my name. What does it say? There I am in the midst of them. So whether you get together as a family and you're believers, or whether you get together in your life group and you're believers together, Jesus Christ is present. You see, connection literally is displayed in the continuing presence of Christ. And that's you and I. I'm going to ask Kyle. We're going to put this up. This is not uh, in your notes today, but I want to I want to share this with you. We are literally, we have crafted this very, very specifically when we say connecting with one another. The reason is because I want that always to draw to your attention the one another's in Scripture. And I just want to read those for you. We're going to put this up just as a document, and we'll put it up on the website so that you can pull it down because I want it to be in front of you. Think of all the one another's. In other words, these are the descriptive passages of what the church, what your life group meetings, what your times together with family should look like when you are a group or a gathering of believers. Romans 12 says be devoted to one another. Romans 12 also says live in harmony with one another. I love that word harmony because literally as you see it in our worship team, they are singing different notes, but they are in harmony. You have different gifts and abilities as parts and places of the body of Christ. And I am so thankful for that. This was beautifully described uh, and displayed yesterday as we had a dear lady who came to Eagles View Church and she needed help with her car. Well, I don't know if you know much about me, and you don't know yet, but you don't want me fixing your car, okay? I'm just telling you that right now. I, I described or I displayed this with my mom one time. I messed up a VHS tape, and I took it apart, and I opened it up, and springs literally went ev- everywhere, okay? I said, Mom, I think if I do another one of these tapes, I think I can actually put this one back together. She said, uh, no, you won't be doing that. You are not mechanical, okay? So... But yesterday, a a dear lady came up, and she needed help with her car. Now, since I knew that I didn't have any skills or ability with there, I knew somebody who did, Joe Fuller. And Joe was here, and I went and got Joe. I said, Joe, would you take a look at her car? And he went with her and looked at her car and came back. He said, this is what it would take to to get it fixed and running. And he said, there's only one problem. I said, okay, what's that? He said, I have to get it towed to my house so that I can work on it. I said, all right, we'll see what we can do about that. So one body of Christ took the message, went to another body of Christ who had the skills to do it, and this morning went to Mr. Lyons, who happens to own a towing service, and said, can you take care of this? He said, absolutely, just give me the the address. So the body of Christ works. When we are connected to each other, when we understand that we are here to help one another and to grow one another, I remember it kind of like this. We talk about what life groups really are, how do we connect, and what life groups are here at Eagles View is an opportunity for us to get together weekly or every other week where we get together with the other parts of the body and we study God's Word and we hear from God and we speak into each other's life truth, okay? And what life groups and what this connection is really supposed to be about is like what I remember when I taught both my daughters how to ride their bicycles. Okay, I have a park behind my house. kind of has some rolling hills. It's basically all soccer fields. 
And so I remember teaching my daughters how to ride their bike. And you remember, if you've ever done this, you remember how you do that? You grab it by the back. They're riding, and you're, they think they're, they're doing great. They're up on themselves, all by themselves. But what are you doing? You are running behind them, holding it, keeping it steady until they get that sense of balance. One of the first things I had to teach them was how to fall. And you know what life groups really are? They're like training wheels in the body of Christ. When we come together, we are helping each other to make it through those difficult things. And see, just like the Doss's experience, and I'm so thankful that the body of Christ was here and was available in Billy and Cammie Ryan and in Leslie and Rubel and, and their whole life group. I'm so glad that it was here because it's not a matter of if we are going to face life tragedies. It's a matter of when. And you see, our life groups are there to be those training wheels, to be that person who's cheering them on to say, go, go towards the Father, keep going, keep pushing. And do you have those relationships in your life to encourage you? Or is the body of Christ, as far as you know it, effectively the back of someone's head in worship? You see, that's what, if we're not connected if we're not experiencing the living, breathing, vibrant Word of God and presence of Christ in each other, we just know the back of someone's head. We might get some greeting time. We might eat a meal or two with people. But it's in these groups where we really connect with the body of Christ. And so our desire is to see these one another's lived out. Here are some others. Stop passing judgment on one another. That's in Romans 14. That's a good one. Accept one another. Agree with one another, 1 Corinthians says. Serve one another in love. Be patient, bearing with one another, is Ephesians 4.2. Be kind and compassionate to one, one another. Forgiving one another. Forgiving seems to come back over and over again. I wonder why that is. Because we mess up, don't we? The body of Christ needs a lot of forgiveness for each other. Because we are not perfect we're far from it and we need this forgiveness speak to one another in psalms hymns and spiritual songs okay some of us do that one better than others we'll 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 give you that one okay submit to one another out of reverence for christ many people think that that's just about the marriage relationship it's not every one of us is to submit to one another that's the way biblical authority works is that we submit to each other It's not one person calling the shots. It is God is calling the shots, and we are submitting to one another. That's the reason, as your pastors, we carry tables. That's the reason that we work with uh, Fiesta de Navidad. We're out here working alongside, with, in front of, behind. We submit to each other. This is a body. What would it be if the hand wouldn't submit, okay? Would you pick up? My water bottle. No, I don't feel like it today. Okay. All right. I guess then what would you do? If the body doesn't submit to you, you can't walk. You can't run. You can't help. You can't do anything. It's the process. We must submit to one another, this passage says. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. Teach and admonish one another. That word admonish literally means to correct one another. That's no fun, is it? Is there ever a time for correction? Absolutely. I got asked this question over the last couple of weeks. Do you practice spiritual discipline? 
It's in the Bible. Spiritual discipline is when we discipline one another, when we say this doesn't look right in your life. It doesn't seem to line up with what God has for you. We need to do it in love, but we still need to do it. Encourage one another. Build each other up. One of my favorite ones is Hebrews 10.24 says this, Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. My family, my father-in-law buys us tickets to the rodeo every year. I love going to the rodeo, but every time I see the rodeo, I think of that passage in Hebrews chapter 12. Spur, or Hebrews chapter 10. Spur one another on. As I see those cowboys put that spur into the back of that horse, that doesn't feel good, does it? But that's what Scripture says that we are to do as we connect, as we're the living, breathing presence of Christ to each other. We need to encourage one another towards love and good deeds. Many of our life groups this week, our life group is actually going right after this service and we're delivering some gifts to a family that we adopted for Christmas. And many of our life groups have have done that over this last couple of weeks. So excited about that because that was a spurring one another on towards love and good deeds. Would we have done it together or would we have done it just individually? I don't know, but together we did something that was bigger than any one of us. Do not slander one another. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality. Open up your homes to, uh, to each other. And First John says, have fellowship with one another. What the bottom line of all this is, as we connect with one another, we are literally the presence of Christ here on this earth to each other. The final point is this. Connection begins with God. It's displayed in the continuing presence of Christ, literally the church. And the final thing is connection completes God's purpose. Connection completes God's purpose. When we connect to one another, we are literally a part of God's whole wisdom that he has for this world coming together. Ephesians 3 talks about this. Verses 8 through 11 says, To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, Paul is saying this about himself, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul was here to preach to us the unsearchable riches, what you have available to you in this gospel, in this word of God, is the unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone, to make it plain, What is the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things? God desires for us. He wants to unveil the mysteries of God. But he wants to unveil them through something. Through who? So that through thee, do you see what it says? Through who? Through thee, church. One more time. Through thee, it's through you and me. Together, when we are community, it is through the church that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let me tell you who that is. We talk about them more around this time and season than any other time. There was a created being that God created that was lower than God, but was different from us. That being was, and what do we call it? An angel. The word is literally angelos, and it means one who is a messenger. This 
passage, I believe, is talking about, about that it's through the church that God wants to make known His wisdom even to the heavenly realms, to the angels that are out there. Just picture this. God is displaying to the angels. Now remember, the angels are this. They're literally God's messengers. And as God's messengers, they don't have all knowledge. As, as, in other words, as God sees everything that we see, and He sees things outside of what we see, He sees all of history as one picture. Angels don't see it that way. Angels can only see what God allows them to see. And he carry, they carry the message of God. But can you imagine the angels sitting around? Okay, Michael, Gabriel, and It's a Wonderful Life, Clarence. Okay, uh, If you see these angels, they're sitting around. And as they're sitting there, they're going, God, do you, do you really know what you're doing? Are, are you sure that you really want to place all of who you are in a human being in Jesus? Are you, are you sure you want to do it that way? God says, just sit back and watch. As the angels say, God, do, do you really want to put your presence in this church, these feeble humans? I mean, do you see how often they screw up, God? I mean, are, are you sure this is your plan A? Do, do you have another plan? Is there a plan B, God? Because these guys, I'm, I'm not sure that they're going to really get this. Are you seeing the disciples? I mean, they're running. They're saying they're denying you? Are, are you seeing these, this church down there? Are you seeing Eagles View Church? I mean, the, these people struggle. Are you seeing this? And God says, He wants to make His wisdom known through you and me. The angels literally are, are the audience of all that God has. And He wants them to see this lived out in you and me. God's completed purpose, verse 11 says, this was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's eternal purpose is made known in you and me. Bring it all together. Here's what it means. You are the clearest representation of Jesus Christ to someone. Are you connected with them? People that you work with? People that you go to school with? People that you live around? People that you drive next to on the highway? People that you shop, to, shop next to in the mall? You are, as the church, the body of Christ. And when we come together and we're unified, when we are connected, when we are in life groups together, when we are in these connecting places together, we are the best representation of Jesus Christ to someone. What does your representation look like? Can we pray this morning? Some of you this morning, as, we, as you think about this, you literally are this presence to someone. And some of you, as I've talked about this this morning, you have asked yourself the question, do I really have that kind of relationship that he's talking about this morning? Do I have that relationship with Jesus Christ? And I want to ask you this morning, if you've never asked Jesus to come into your life, then I want to encourage you to pray a prayer that would just go something like this. There's no magic words in this prayer, but it simply is surrendering your heart to God. You can say, Jesus, I know that I cannot make this on my own, but I ask you to come into my life and save me 
today to be my Lord and Savior. If that's you today, I want you to know we rejoice, and the angels literally rejoice with everything that God is doing in your heart. For others of you, as we've talked about connection, you realize that you're not connected. You're not connected to the body. You're not displaying your gifts and using your abilities. And I want to ask you, where does God want you to be connected? If every person at EVC was connected in a life group, we'd have to have many more life groups. And that means this, there's an opportunity for you to serve today. Let me pray for us this morning. Father, I ask you that this morning that your grace and wisdom would be made manifest to us today and that your wisdom would show forth to us that, Lord, as we live our lives, that we would be connected with you. And, Lord, I pray for these who are here. Lord, as I thought about the Dosses this week and was so thankful that they had a place of connection, Lord, I pray for every person here who needs to be connected to your body. Lord, I pray for those who need to step up and be a person who leads others. Lord, I pray that you would give them wisdom to know that and that you would be glorified in your body, the church today. In Jesus' name.